It's so good to see each one of you today, and those again that are here for the first time, thank you for being here. Um, it takes a little bit of courage to come to a church for the first time, and I want to thank you for doing that. Just stick it right in there, right there. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. <laughs> I'll get louder as we go. Let's pray to begin with. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your goodness, your mercy. I want to thank you, Father, for being here present right now with each person, no matter what they're going through right now, Lord. We just thank you that this Christmas season will be a time of joy for each one of us. And give us opportunities to share that joy with others. That's really what Christmas is all about. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you didn't hear me before, I just want to thank you for coming, especially those of you that have visited for the first time, and just want to thank you for that, because it takes a lot of courage to go to church for the first time. I, I do that occasionally still, and when I go in there, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> uh, my wife's real good about meeting people, and I'm more internal, and so it's always a struggle. So I understand, I feel your pain, but I'm glad you're here. So, I'm going to begin with a story today, and really we're not even going to get out of this story. This story is all about Christmas, and last time we talked about Joseph, this time we're going to talk about Mary. And I want you to really pay close attention to some of the things that Mary does and says. Uh, she's an amazing, amazing woman, and we're going to see somebody blow it royally before Mary, and then watch Mary do it right in her response to God. But, um, first of all, let's... We're going to be in Luke, but he, he was not a Jew. He was a doctor. Um, I, I try to bring a little, uh, sometimes your eyes glaze over. It's like, oh no, here he goes again. And I try to bring some of the background in it because a lot of times we don't know what the Bible's talking about. We, we have no idea who Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were. Um, that's the way I started. I knew nothing. I was raised in church, but I wasn't paying attention. I know none of you are like that, Taylor. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of the way I grew up. And then when I finally, when I was about 17, I, I put my knee on the ground and said, Jesus, I want you to come in my heart. I want you to change me. Uh, didn't even really know the prayer to pray. I just said, change me. Um, and then from then on, I started learning the Bible from little kids. I did. I learned it because they knew it better than I did. I said, where did you find that scripture? Where and they would tell me where it was. Like, wow, that's cool. They love that. Um, but we're going to be talking about Luke today. And he wasn't a Jew. He was a doctor. He hooked up with this guy named Paul. And they went all over the world telling people what Jesus taught. And neither of them had ever met Jesus personally in the flesh. Pretty amazing. And... So Paul and his team and with Luke, Luke was educated, very educated person. He used very sophisticated Greek language. And so it's pretty interesting when we get to Luke, the language is a lot more sophisticated than Matthew and Mark and, and John. The first account of Luke is the Gospel of Luke. The second account of Luke is the book of Acts. Okay, just kind of throwing some of this out there for you to chew on a little bit. But today we're going to take an exciting 
journey through the first part of Luke's first account, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And we're going to discover some, what I believe are, are just wonderful things about faith. And I believe also that God may instill in you and, and may, may bring something to life in you that will stick with you the rest of your life. I, Am I overstating the case? I, I don't think so, because of, of what Luke brings out in this first chapter is just extraordinary about the Christmas story. So, let's begin in Luke chapter 1, and if you have your phones, turn in your phones, <laughs> your iPad, whatever it is, or hard copy, whatever you want to do, or look on the screen. I don't have all the verses on the screen because it's just a lot of words. Uh, but I have some of them up there. Or just listen if you just feel more comfortable just listening. But Luke chapter 1 verse 1, we start the story. Many have undertaken, this is Luke's account, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Speaking of Jesus' acts and all that. He says, Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses. So, with this word eyewitnesses, he's referring to some of his now friends, Matthew, and Mark, and John. And Luke, being a Gentile, didn't write to the Jews. He's writing to Gentile people, non-Jewish people. And this is going to come to play because he's going to explain some things that Jews would already know. Especially about the temple and the burning of incense and what the high priest was doing when the angel appeared to him, Jews would have understood all that, but Gentiles wouldn't. So he takes the time to explain some of those things, as we're going to see here in just a second. But these eyewitnesses, Luke actually talked to Mark and drew from his writing and then built from that his own research in interviewing other eyewitnesses. And that's where we get the Gospel of Luke. It's pretty cool because he brings in to his Gospel things that were missed by the others. All of it's true, but a different slant and a different... Some of the facts are, are found in Luke that you don't find in the others. And that makes it even more interesting. But notice what he says here. Who were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. Servants of the Word. Now what does that mean? Servants of the Word. We don't talk like that, so what does that mean? Servants of the Word. Who is the Word or what is the Word? Well, we can go to John and we can find out what the Word is. It's really interesting. The Word appeared in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He walked among us in the New Testament. He also made appearances in the Old Testament. Who is the Word? What is the Word? John explains who the Word is. He says this in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. So whatever this Word was or is, was already here. Already before all of creation. And remember, we're going to refer to this again, that these eyewitnesses were servants of the Word. And he says, in the beginning was the Word already was, it was already existed, the Word was with God. Wow. With God. And the Word was God. The Word was God. So we see a term that's interchangeable in the New Testament, especially in the epistles. 
that the Word and Jesus Christ are the same. Word and Jesus Christ are the same. The second member of the Godhead, Jesus Christ. 100% man, 100% God. And so he says, in the beginning was the Word, He already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so the Word became human. Crazy, isn't it? The Word was God, and He became human. That's what Christmas is all about. Anybody with me? And the Word was God, and the Word became human, and made His home among us. It's hard to get your brain around that. Because God in all of His eternity, God who never dies, became human so that He could die for our sin. So John explains who the Word was and Luke explains that they were these eyewitnesses were servants of the Word. So Luke goes on in verse 3 and he says, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. Luke says, I did my homework. I talked to people. I interviewed them and I got the facts. And I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. And some people, some scholars think that the funds for this work, supporting Luke why he did this work, came from Theophilus so that you might know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Alright, so now we're going to look at an example of not to follow. So, the next part of this is, don't do it this way. <laughs> we're going to look at the birth of John the Baptist as it was foretold. So Luke explains what happened. And this is all preview of the coming of the Son of God into the earth. And even if you've heard this before, can you please promise to pay attention to it again? Because this is the greatest story that was ever told. Verse 5 says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all that the Lord commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Kind of cracks me up when the Bible says they were really old. I wonder how old that was back then. I remember one time Coach Miller put together a team for us for an alumni tournament. And I was pretty excited because we hadn't planted a while together and we whipped up on those young guys pretty good, didn't we? Yeah, thank you. And uh, afterwards, I'm thinking, you know, Di hadn't really seen me play much basketball and came up to the, she was sitting in the stands, came up to the stands and said, well, how do we look? You look old. You look old. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, you're such a stud, you know. Uh, you look old. That's the last time I played. <laughs> well, I don't know how old they were, but they were past childbearing age. And, and uh, so amazing things happen here in the next few verses. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, verse 8, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Again, he's explaining all this for non-Jewish people. So, in verse 10 it says, And when he, the time came for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And I don't know if Zechariah is by himself. Tradition has it that they went in with three at a time. He, he could have been with three, it, it, or he could have been completely alone. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he said, ah! <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> He's like, oh. He was startled and gripped with fear. And he's wondering what's going on. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He, he won't be great in the sight of this world. Get the difference here. He's, he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord, because he really wasn't anything to the world standards. He lived in the desert. He ends, ends up eating honey in the desert and growing his hair out. Um, not, not your typical success story according to the world. But he was following God's plan for his life. And he became great. He was so great that Jesus ends up saying about him, saying he's the greatest prophet that ever lived. And here's the instructions that came further from the angel. Remember, he's talking to an angel here. Supernatural visitation. And he says... He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled. This is all about the Nazarite uh, vows, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And this was John's call and this was John's mission in his life. That's what he was called to do, is get ready people to receive Jesus when he came. So, can you agree with me that God was moving in this temple with this angelic visitation? Do you believe in that? Absolutely. you believe in the supernatural? Absolutely. What concerns me is that there's not more of it. Is that crazy? No. You read the Bible and there's plenty. Every writer of the Bible talks about the supernatural. We live in a Western mindset that we just, we, we don't know what to do with it. Oh gosh. God's moving. Would you agree with me that God was moving in this room? And the angelic, the presence of an angel there speaking, the words from heaven. Would you agree with me that God was moving there? with Zechariah. And here's another step I want to ask that you consider, and maybe you agree with me on this too. 
He was wanting Zechariah to agree with him. The angel was wanting Zechariah to agree with him and say the same thing. Say the plan of God. Say the words that he was giving him to say. In other words, God was moving through this angel on this priest Zechariah's mouth. So I want you to catch this. It's so easily missed. When God moves, He moves on our mouths to agree with His plan. And His plan is to bless. His, bl His plan is to bring power. His plan is to do miracles. And we can easily miss it thinking that God will move somewhere out there when He's moving right here. Where God, number one, where God wants to move, number one, the first place that God wants to move is in our mouth. And Zechariah, just like me, and I can't speak for you, but I would guess you too, Zechariah misses it. He absolutely misses it. And I hope that none of us will miss it today. That this is where God wants to move first. Right here in our mouth. That we can say new things. That we can say God's Word after Him. Because there's power in God's Word. Okay? So, Zechariah is going to get another chance later. He's going to blow it really bad here in a minute. He's going to get another chance later, and he's going to do really well. But let's watch him blow it first, right? It makes us all feel a little bit better. He doesn't submit his mouth to the Word of God, to the angel's ideas that he's bringing, the angel's words that were coming from heaven. And here's what he spews out. And he says these words. I can find them. Zechariah asked the angel, Absolutely, yeah, that would be great. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, listen to what he says. He says, how can I be sure of this? This just cracks me up sometimes. I'm reading this and I'm thinking, Zechariah is asking, give me some proof. And the angel's like, you're talking to an angel. What more proof do you need? You know how you were startled a minute ago? You're, you're having a supernatural visitation, Zechariah. Give me some proof. But then I look at me. And I look at my struggles with doubt. Now I can kind of get it. I can kind of understand where Zechariah is. Can you? Oh, you guys are all good, man. You guys all, you guys all believe all the time. You're amazing. So he says, how can I be sure of this? He said, I need some proof. You know why? Because Elizabeth is really old. And I am too. He blows it. How can I be sure? Need some proof. One of, I don't know if you read comics. I used to when I was a kid. There's one I liked reading. It's called Hagar the Horrible. You ever read that? Oh boy, I'm, I'm stepping in it now, aren't I? But it's just interesting. One comic, you see him bowing his knee to pray, and Hagar 
He says these words. He says, It's not easy to believe in you, God. We never see you. How come you never show yourself? How do we know that you even exist? In the next frame, you see a flower springing up beside Hagar. The next frame, a volcano erupting in the distance. Another frame, an eclipse of the sun behind him. The sky turns black. Another frame, a star shooting across the stratosphere. And another frame, a tidal wave rushing over Hagar. Another frame, lightning flashing. Another frame, a bush beginning to burn, not being consumed. Another frame, a stone rolled away from the entrance of a tomb. And Hagar pulls himself up from the mud, dripping wet, surrounded by darkness. And he says, okay, okay, I give up. Every time I bring up this subject, all we get is interruptions. <laughs> and I think sometimes we're praying for God, like, show up. And he's moving right here, and we just miss it. We just miss it because he's wanting us to say some things. We get so close to God's power, but we can be dense. So I want you to think about what's your struggle right now wrestling with doubt? Because we all have it. Words have consequences, so the next part of the event, here the angel says to Zechariah, this is his response now in verse 19, after Zechariah says, I need some proof, and the angel says, listen, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, and now you be silent, and you will not be able to speak until this day happens. Because you did not believe my words. Which will come true. Despite you. <laughs> he didn't say that. I added that. But they will come true at their appointed time. So there's consequences for not walking in the truth that comes to us. God's moving. And we're responsible to move with Him. But I want you to see how Gabriel, the angel, protected this environment. This spiritual environment. And he stopped Zechariah from speaking. Why would he do that? Because words are incredibly important. Words are so important in our lives. And you can't get away from that. It was all about words. The word of God. The angel's words. Zechariah's words in response. And as we're going to see here in a minute, Mary's words. It's all about words because faith, faith's conduit, faith's conduit is words. How can I walk by faith? Right here. Right here. A few passages. Just listen. Psalm 33. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. For He spoke. Everybody say spoke. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood fast. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's Word. God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God spoke and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Paul explained this to us through the Romans who were following Christ, and he said these words, but the righteousness that is by faith says, you get it? Righteousness speaks. When God moves, He will give you words to say. They come from Scripture and they're powerful. They're loaded with power. But the righteousness that is by faith says, the Word, there it is again. Paul was acquainted with this concept of the Word from the Old Covenant. The Word. The Word is where? It's near you. The Word is near you. It is in your mouth. The Word is near you. It is in your mouth. The power, the answer to your prayers is in God who is moving on your mouth. What does this have to do with Christmas? You'll see. You'll see. The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. I encourage you. Do you know that you have a home in heaven when you leave this planet. You need to know before you leave today that yes, I am sure that I'm in the right camp. I am sure that Jesus is in my heart. I am sure that my conscience is clean before Him. You need to know that before you leave. And you can know that. How, how can I know that? Simply do that. With your words, as God moves into your heart, you'll find these words saying, Jesus, change me. Jesus, I appeal to You. Jesus, save me. Jesus, come into my heart. I don't really... doesn't really matter what the words are, but you appeal to God in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the Word. And He's near you. He's ready to move on your mouth. If you'll make that confession because you believe it in your heart, you can walk out of here today and you can know, man, if I, if I die today, I know I'll be with Jesus. Are you hearing me? I don't want to take that for granted. I needed to cross that in my life. I needed to find that place where I found Jesus. And I can remember when it was. It's a long time ago to a lot of you guys, but I remember the date. It was August 31st of 1978. It was a Thursday. And I'd come back from school. I was entering in my senior year of high school. All these guys had graduated, and I was lonely. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, I need... I need Jesus coming in my heart. A lot of people have been sharing with me, and I was like, what is that? I don't know why I'm going into all this. Maybe, 
Maybe I just don't want to take it for granted that you already are in the family of God. But those of us that are in the family of God, we want you. Because there's no better life than this. And I'm urging you, take a look at it. If this is the beginning day of your spiritual journey and you're just exploring, you just you don't know why you're, you're here. You know, somebody got you here or you had to come. I just want you to know you're welcome. And this is the message that I believe that's coming from heaven is that God loves you. He cares for you. He, he cares so much for you. And he wants, he wants you to come and submit your life before Him. Will everything be easy after that? Mm-mm. Will all my problems go away? Mm-mm. But He'll be there. He'll walk with you hand in hand closely. He'll show you how to walk with Him. And your life will be better. I can guarantee that. It's always better with God. Where were we? The last part of that passage says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. Listen to these. Just still, stay with this just a little bit longer with me on, on the power that's in our mouth. Proverbs 18 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Can you do something with me the rest of this message? Can you start thinking about how you've been talking? And just think, what have I been saying about those difficult areas in my life? What have I been saying about other people? How about this? What have I been saying about that difficult person in my life? Nobody's smiling now. <laughs> what am I saying about my challenges that I've got coming up this next week? What am I saying about my challenges at work? What am, I, what am I saying about these things in my life? Why do I want you to think about that? Because death and life are in the power of what you say. So as we head into next week, as we start to do that, even tonight, think about how you can say things differently. Okay, so death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's another passage in Proverbs 13 that says, whoever guards the mouth preserves his life. In, in the New Testament, James, who was the brother of Jesus, half-brother, and he later, it's like, wow, Jesus, my older brother, we, we thought he was weird. You know, can you imagine being... I'm a younger brother, and I can't imagine my brother being Jesus. But can you imagine being the younger brother, younger sister, and your older brother's Jesus? Nothing like a little pressure. But James later, when he realizes who Jesus really was, he says these words, and where did he get it? He got it from Jesus, watching Jesus. He says, if anyone does not stumble in what he said, Jesus never stumbled in what he said. His words were always locked into the plan of God. Amazing. And he says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, like my brother Jesus. If we put bits in the mouths of horses 
so that they obey us and we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. And he goes into all this and he talks about, you know, this thing right here is just a little rudder, just a little piece of your body, but that thing controls your whole life. That's what James is saying. He got that from Jesus. Thing, whole, whole thing controls your whole life right there. Everybody grab their tongue. Just kidding. Here's what Jesus said a little bit later. He says, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, if anyone says to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. That was Jesus. We're going to jump back into the story now. Mary will show us how to use our tongue in the right way. But let's pick up the story and see what happens to Zechariah. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he was in the temple so long. And when he came out, he couldn't say a thing. And that was a good thing. He couldn't speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. And I'm wondering, what did that look like? He came out of the temple and he's like... And if he could say, he's like, I saw an angel and I blew it. <laughs> and now I can't talk. And he wouldn't be able to talk for a while. And when the time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, to wrap it up, we're going to get into another visitation. Same angel, different person. Is there some power that has been given to humankind whereby each person correctly using that power can overcome great obstacles, setbacks, and temptations and realize the greatest God-given desires in their heart. I believe there is. In the next part of the story, you're going to see what that power is. And how to apply it to your life. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, same angel, to Nazareth, different town, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to the man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The scholars say that Mary was no, long, no, no older than 16. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And I think this is really interesting because Mary was not troubled at the visitation of the angel, not at his appearance. Why would that be? Because I can't find that in Scripture. I can't prove it exactly, but... It seems to me that angels can appear in 
many different forms, but they can appear just like a human being, as a man. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said, some of you have been entertaining angels and you're not even aware of it. Wow, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Should have been nicer to that guy. I thought that, you know. And, uh, and so, Mary, what's interesting though is, Mary is not, not affected by his appearance at all that I can see. I can't find that there in that passage. What she is disturbed about, what she's troubled about, is what he said. Is what the angel said. So, why would that bother her so much? And she says, it says that she was troubled by what the angel said and that she was concerned about what kind of greeting this was because she wasn't used to being spoken to like this. Sometimes when God speaks to us, we are not used to being spoken to, uh, to ourselves like this. When God comes to us, He lifts us up. And we're not used to that in this life because most of life beats you down. When God comes to us, He'll say, you know what? You're righteous. And I love you. And, and you know what? We, we think, man, you know. And we just bat it away. We just, we don't have a place for that. We don't have a category for it. Because we've been told different. Can you make a place for where God wants to speak to you? Well, I'm no good at that. And I'll never be a success. But God says, I'm going to help you. And I've got a good plan for you. And I'll help you make it. And we bat it away because we just, we're just not used to hearing those kinds of words coming to us. But... I hope you're hearing it today. That God will help you. And you don't have to be afraid. How much of us struggle with the fear of death or the fear of failure or the fear of whatever? There's tons of fear in our heart and our minds that cloud us with darkness and God comes and says, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be anxious about anything. And we think, well, that may be true for everything except this. Because I'm worrying about this. You don't have to worry about that. And that's the message that God brings to us, is that you don't have to be anxious about anything. But if everything, you can just bring it to God in prayer. Guys, that is a good God. That is a wonderful Father. That is a Lord that we are... He has made us worthy to serve. We serve the Word. He's awesome. He's incredible. There's not enough words to describe Him as the Word. But I want to agree with Him. I don't want to keep batting away the things that He's doing in my mouth, in my heart. I want to agree with it. He's got a wonderful home in heaven for me. Yeah, I want that. Don't you? I don't want to be afraid of the next life. I don't want to be afraid of dying anymore. And he says, you don't have to. Because when you die, it's going to be better. And all the tears and all this corruption is gone. Guys, that's, that's so much better. That's so much better. 
And all we have to do is agree with it. Say, yeah. Is that possible to agree with that? It is. It really is. And Mary is going to show us how easy it is. We think it's so hard. We make it so hard. It doesn't have to be. And if you're living a hard life right now, and you struggle with doubt, and this is your pattern, it can break. It can break today. And you think, man, I've been bound all these years. Are you serious? It can break in, it can break moment. Isn't it really hard? It's so easy. So easy. I'm not saying there's not going to be more temptations, more difficulties, but it's easy to believe in God. It's don't believe the level, the lie that it, it it's it's hard to believe God is hard to trust Him. It's not. And that's every area of our lives. All right. And, one, and so Mary's wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Boy, that's the most common phrase that we keep coming across in the Christmas story. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Listen carefully. This is what we've been building to. This is where we wanted to get to. This verse, memorize it. Put it on your fridge or whatever it takes. Mary says, how will this be? This is not like Zechariah's question. Zechariah says, prove it to me. Mary says, man, you know, I've, I've, Joseph and I have never, um, we have never, you know, we've never done that. And she says, how am I going to have a baby? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It, it enveloped her in the Old Testament, there was a, a presence of God. It was called a glory cloud. It was like, I don't know how to describe it. It, it was, can't describe these spiritual things with natural terms very much, but it would be like a vapor around. But it was the presence. And this is the presence that surrounded Mary. Just like in the days of Moses. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. What we're talking about is the miraculous here. The miraculous. Jesus was like none other. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. And here we go. Verse 37. This is what I want you to memorize. For no, for no word from God will ever fail. Write that down. If you have a pen, punch it into your phone. You got your phone. Do something. Act on this. You don't want this to get away from you. And just say this. Agree with it. No word from God will ever fail. 
No word from God will ever fail. Some translations say it this way. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. But here's what it, literally it means. No word will be powerless with God. That's literally what it means. No word will be powerless with God. And I've got to believe that. When I'm saying God's word after, this word is not powerless. It will bring to pass those things that I'm saying. It wasn't powerless with Elizabeth because we stopped Zechariah from speaking. It won't be powerless with you, Mary, because you're siding in with faith. You're agreeing with the plan of God with your words. And this is what she said in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Remember where we began with this in Luke, the eyewitnesses. She was an eyewitness. She was a servant of the Word. Boy, was she a servant. Oh. She received the Word at this point. She gave birth to the Word in His, human, in his humanity. And she raised the Word in the first few years of His life. And Mary answered this. He said, May your word to me be fulfilled. Angel knew the job was done and he left. Can you do that this week? Just say those words. May your word be to me fulfilled. Can you think of those difficult areas and what God wants to do? How He wants to meet your needs? Can you say that God's with me and I can do all things through Christ? Let His Word be fulfilled in my life this week. I want to read a couple passages. And while I'm doing this, what I'd like you to do is kind of close your eyes while I read these passages. And then at the end of the passages, we're going to have a song that I'd like you to just enjoy the song and think about the words, the potential words that can come to you to drive out some old thoughts, some old way of speaking that has no power and replace it with God's Word that has power so that you can say a new thing. So if you'll close your eyes for a minute. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14 says, Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 18 says, This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. Think of the challenges that you're facing. Can you begin to say that this is a simple thing for God? Some of those things that are so difficult in your life, can you say that it's not too difficult for the Lord? Ezekiel chapter 12 says, For I, the Lord, will speak, and whatever word I speak will be performed. 
Can you say that these words that God has given me, He will watch over them and perform them in my life? In Jeremiah 32, verse 17. O oh Lord God, You have made the heavens and the earth by Your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for You. Can you think about what you're heading for this week? Whatever difficulty it is, whatever lack that you're facing, can you say nothing is too difficult for the Lord? If you will, faith will rise up in your heart. Some of you are facing some physical ailments, some sickness, some disease. Can you look at this situation and you put your faith in God and say nothing's too difficult for God? He can bring me healing and health right now. Matthew, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Can you see new possibilities? Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me according to your word. May it happen to me according to your word. See, God has said a lot to us and about us. Will we believe and agree with what He says?